What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I'm your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. Now, today, guys, I got my guy with me, Austin Krell from over at the Painted Lines. We're going to preview this round one playoff series. The Philadelphia 76ers get set to take on Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, and the Washington Wizards. Austin, what's going on, my guy? Same old, same old, Kai. Can't, can't complain. Just, uh, you know, the same thing, different day. I hear it, man, but now it's playoff time. It's time to get set for the playoffs. No more bad basketball, I hope. No no more Sixers taking on bad shorthanded teams, you know, heading into the end of the regular season. Now it's all about how are you going to match up now that the playoffs are here? Most important games, the Sixers have been building up for this all season long. They are the number one seed for the first time since the Allen Iverson era in 2001. They are led by an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid. They're led by an all-star point guard in Ben Simmons. And now Austin... They finally know their playoff opponent. After ending the season May 16th, they had to wait a couple of days. They had to wait till Thursday, May 20th, to know who their playoff opponent was. They, they now know they're going to be taking on the Washington Wizards. So, Austin, just from the outset of this series, man, is there really anything that scares you about Washington heading into this matchup? Or are you just kind of like, you know what, they're probably this is probably going to be a sweep? So I think there's a middle ground there. Like, I, I do think that they – will and they should win this series in five there's no reason for it to go more than five if they go six or seven i ha- i would have some some concerns because something clearly is not working right i at the same time i don't think this team is a slouch or a pushover um i've i've said a lot recently that i think it's more dangerous to face a team that has ended the season like this as hot as the wizards have um you know where they have a lot of momentum at their back and they're feeling good about themselves. Whereas a team like the you know, a team that's been there all along is losing momentum might not be as hard of a knockout, like maybe the Pacers, for example. I think the Wizards are supremely talented in their in their starting unit. Um, and I think that presents some problems, especially in the area of guard play. It's a heavy guard play series. It isn't something that bodes well for the Sixers, uh, typically. So unless they're going to ratchet up their level of intensity, um, where they're, you know, like where they're functioning at a high level, which is something that, you know, they haven't done this season. They've had, I mean, that for, you know, they've given up 60 points to one of these guys this season. Um, you know, it's going to, they'll still win, but it, it's not going to be this like, oh, they're going to like never even sh- break a sweat and win this thing in four. I have to agree. I think, I think that the Sixers have a chance to sweep them just because of the fact that I don't think Washington has a real answer for Joel. But, I mean, from everything you just said, the Wizards are a team that presents a lot of challenges just between Westbrook and Beal. And, uh, you know, former process champion Ish Smith is another one that will present to you some optimum, uh, some issues just because he's a guy who can – he can get into the paint. He can knock down fadeaway jump shots. He can really uh, – he can make things happen on the offensive end of the floor. And, you know, Ish Smith is no slouch. It's not like Ish is, you know, a bad player or anything. And then there's a former – another former Sixer, Howell Neto. Uh, you know, he spent one season in Philadelphia. <laughs> Neto actually got the start Thursday against Indiana um, in, in their play-in game to clinch the number eight seed. So shout out to Howell Neto. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. The Wizards are a team that offers guard issues uh, for the Sixers. And really, if you kind of look back at the Sixers all season long, they have kind of struggled with live ball point guards, kind of like the way Russell Westbrook plays, kind of like the way Bradley Beal plays. You mentioned Beal puts up 60 against them back in January. Westbrook, I think, averaged 22, 11, and 8 against Philadelphia, which is to be expected. This is Russell Westbrook we're talking about. 
Um, the reason why I say the Sixers could sweep this team, and, and I think it only goes five at the very most, is, is because I think Philadelphia understands that they need to have the Wizards play at their pace, meaning you can't allow them to get out in transition, which the Sixers have had issues in transition defense all year. But I believe, Austin, towards the end of the season, that they were able to clean it up a little bit. And now they're going to put that to the test against a team like Washington. I think, I think they led the league in pace this year. Yeah, I think it depends on the stat, like on the website you use for your stats. But I mean, I, I read that they're one. I've read that they're four. Um, so whatever the case might be, they're they're still going to be right on top of the top top of the uh, the, the list. But they, I, I think, what it really um, can maybe deceive the Sixers in a in a way that would be uh, not not fatal, but would bruise them up a little bit, and uh, you know, put a crack in the armor would be transition offense for Washington and I guess by by extension transition defense to the Sixers um tra- Washington's transition offense I think is in the ranks in the 80 something percentile in in scoring this year so they were they were like a top five or six uh transition offense team they're going to push the pace obviously Russell Westbrook um and by extension then they're also going to look to either get to the rim or, or, or you know create open shots for teammates on the perimeter so they're going to they're, they're going to be, um, you know, problematic if the Sixers aren't fully engaged. But when it comes down to it, you know, the Beals and the Westbrooks are going to get what they want outside of those guys. Like who is going to give – and maybe maybe you throw Davis Bertans in there. But besides those two and the half guys, um, who is really going to pose problems over, you know, uh, four, in four games out of seven? I just I, I don't know. Uh, right, and this and, th- yeah. and this is what I, this is what I'm saying. Like I don't I don't think Washington just has enough. And we all we, and both of us know that Washington is a very porous defensive team. They're a team that has a lot of breakdowns. They're a team that you know they're not very sharp on that end of the floor. So that allows Ben and Joe to do what they have to do, and that allows Seth Curry and Danny Green and uh, Tobias to be able to not to make make plays. Now speaking of Tobias, Austin, Tobias is the one guy for me that I feel like has to be able to have a big series. And it's because if you look at Tobias's playoff numbers career-wise, not just his two runs with the Sixers, but in his one year with the Detroit Pistons in 2016, he has not performed well in the playoffs. I think his career playoff numbers are somewhere around 31.1% shooting from from deep and I think 42% from the floor overall. And I know he's averaging about 15 and nine. Um, And I don't think that's going to be able to cut it in this series with Washington, just because the Wizards are such an explosive offensive team to where uh, if, if the Sixers aren't locking down on defense and getting back in transition the way that they plan to, the way they expect to, then you're going to need other guys to, to help Joel score because the Sixers, I don't think the Sixers can outscore Washington, if that makes sense, just because outside of Joel um, and really actually, yeah, Joel, who, who are you going to rely on on Philadelphia to give you consistent buckets. I know I know Tobias has had a really good year, but his playoff numbers have said otherwise. And then we all know Ben isn't exactly a huge scorer type. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so I, I think with, like, Tobias, an important distinction to make is that he had his best regular season with Doc before he got traded to Philly, and then he had his second best regular season with Doc after he got traded to Philly. So right. he's never, like, been in the playoffs with Doc. And so we have yet to see how his regular season success under Doc Rivers translates to the playoffs. So we'll see. Um, obviously, if, if, if it's bad like that again, it's, you know, it's, it's 
not just a it's not just a, a circumstance that that it's, it's it's a trend that he's not a playoff performer. And that's right. a problem. Um, but I do think like you can I think it's livable to have if he averages 15 on 50 52 to 58 percent shooting from the field. That's perfectly livable because it's not like you, you're wasting possessions giving him the ball and he's just not making plays. It, it, okay. It, it's that he's converting a high percentage of his looks, but you have other peripheral pieces that are filler, supplementing with, with their own opportunities. Maybe maybe Washington is switching and, 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 and they like a mismatch that Shake has on uh, how Neto or on whomever. So I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it and to vacuumize. I don't know that's a word, but I'm going to use it. Um, <laughs> Tobias Harris into like, did he score 15 or more? That's way too binary for me. Um, okay. I think it depends on like the context of, of, of what's happening around him. But generally, yeah, I mean, if he's if he's if he's doing that on thirty two percent, that's a big problem. Yes, for sure. Now you just mentioned Shake. I think going back and looking at the three matchups, Shake had nineteen and in, in the first matchup, he had nineteen again in the second matchup, and he had eighteen in the third matchup. So it was clear that Shake Milton was able to find a, something about Washington's defense that he was able to kind of get into a groove with. And I feel like if you can get shake into some type of offensive rhythm, you know, in round one and help him like carry that into round two and into the Eastern conference finals and everything else, I feel like shake Milton could be another huge X factor just because shake shake had a really, I think I feel like he had a good regular season scoring wise. I think he averaged double figures, I think 13 off the bench, but he didn't really shoot the ball as well as he did last year. Like last year, he shot 43% from deep this year. It was down to 35% from deep. Uh, I guess a team like the Wizards and even just kind of looking forward into the future against a team like, say, the New York Knicks in round two, possibly the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. I feel like you're going to need uh, Shake to really be that kind of guy off the bench and provide you scoring. Him and Furcon both, they have to. Yeah, and I think this is a favorable-ish matchup for Furcon. Um, I think for Shake, it's going to present some advantages in that like Washington really can't go small. So, I mean, if MB can pull a big out of the paint, shake can go line drive, um, like, like, like Doc likes guys to do. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think the scoring aspect for the Sixers is a little bit underplayed in that, um, like, the, the Wizards are not a good defensive team in a lot of ways. And they're 20th overall um, in defense, something like that. But, they're giving up like upwards of 66, 67% at the rim, which is like not, it's like the bottom something percentile, not good. Um, and they're getting up a lot of points off drives. So, I mean, I, the Sixers are going to have a lot of incentive to get downhill, get into the paint and get those paint scores like Doc talks about all the time. Right. Um, now, whether guys just making shots or not, it's, a, it's another story. That's just, sometimes that's just a, 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 a figment of luck, um, if, if you will. But, um, you know, they, they, they've gotten to this point in the season where they're a one seed because guys have made shots. So there's no reason to suddenly distrust that guys are going to make – are going to not make shots anymore. So I think a lot of things from a defensive standpoint bode well. I also think that um, the Sixers are going to be more encouraged to get more downhill against this team because there's not really a big in the way for Washington. Like they have Daniel Gafford, who I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, Alex Lynn is nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Robin Lopez is is like having a nice season, but is generally speaking not going to solve you for an entire series. So I mean, once you get past the perimeter, you you have a lot of interesting options at the rim. Um, I think really the the, the the story of this series is going to be on the defensive side of the court. Yeah, that's definitely going to kind of be uh, that's how I see the Sixers winning this series. 
just because, as I mentioned earlier, Philadelphia's not going to outscore Washington because I don't think that they have the amount of offensive weapons outside of Joel, at least consistent offensive weapons outside of Joel to really keep up with them. And I feel like that's, that's how the Sixers are going to continue to win throughout the postseason, Austin. Like, not just against the Wizards, but a potential matchup with the Knicks, a potential matchup with the Nets or uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Or, and if they get to the finals and everything, I feel like that's how they're going to win. Like, you can't – they're not going to be able to outscore teams because I don't think they have the consistent options. I think it has to be strictly – what they do on the defensive end of the floor. And the Wizards are definitely going to offer a challenging matchup. Doc kind of mentioned it. When you face Russell Westbrook, you have to be able to cut off his drives. You have to be able to cut off his drives, cut off his ability to make plays in the passing game, even more so than his offensive game, because you all, you already know what Westbrook is going to do. Like Westbrook will take a lot of shots. He will miss a lot of shots. He's a guy who can shoot his team into it, but he's also a guy who can shoot your team out of it. We've seen it during his days with the Thunder and his days with the Rockets even last year. And, and then there were instances this year with the Wizards where he would just shoot Washington out of it a little bit. So as long as the Sixers can really, I, I guess, stop Ross from getting to the rim as much as they possibly can, I feel like that's going to make life a little bit easier because at that point you're going to be relying on Bradley Beal to go one-on-one against whoever, whether it be Ben, or uh, Tobias, or even Danny. Like, you know, Danny's obviously not the same defender he was, but Danny will be able to make life tough on you. Yeah, and I, I think it's like like you said, like, oh, it's got to, you know, cut off Russell Westbrook's line to the rim. Easier said than done. Good, good luck with that. My Easier friend. said than done. It's, it's good luck with that, Doc. It's it's not very easy to do. Right. Um, so if you can't take away the line to the rim because of how speedy he is, he's still one of the fastest guys in the NBA. Uh, going east, going east to west. So I mean, there's, there's, you know, the, the, there's no like stopping him. His lane. He's going to get to the basket. He might get creative, but he's going to get to the basket. Right. What you can do is you can make him pa- make passes and make decisions live. And I think that's an area where the Sixers can really put some hurting on the on the Wizards, getting deflections, um, forcing Westbrook into turnovers. Westbrook will 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 gladly gift you turnovers, and then yeah. it's on you to go to go capitalize on those opportunities. Yeah, and that's where I feel like I feel like that's where I feel like Matisse Thibel is definitely going to play some type of big time role in here because I mean you just mentioned it deflections turnovers that is exactly what Matisse feasts on. So Matisse is a guy who will literally read you like and see where you're going to make a pass, get his hand on it, force a turnover, get out in transition, and that's where the that's where the Sixers really you know that's where they make their living on the offensive end. Like they are not a, a clear efficient offensive team. Uh, where they're going to get their buckets is going to be them getting out in transition and be able to use Ben and being able to push the pace and him being able to fan out to the shooters like Seth and Danny and, uh, you know, uh, Furcon, Tobias, uh, whoever's out there with them running. Like, that's where Philadelphia gets their offense. And I feel like against a team like with the Wizards, there are going to be plenty of uh, opportunities to get out and run because of the amount of times Westbrook will turn the ball over and, and then things like, of that nature. Um, so then I ask you, Austin, if there was one guy for the Sixers in this series that could make or break them outside of Ben and Joel, who would it be? Um, outside of Ben and Joel, um, I don't know that there is one, like, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I guess I would go Thibel just because for the reasons you just said, um, in terms of like just getting out and transition and creating those, those scores. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, I, mean, I think it's going to have to be Thibel because, Whoever has the hot hand that night between Brad and uh, and, and Russ, that's who Ben's ideally going to be on. So then the other best perimeter defender is charged with, um, you know, stopping the next guy, and that's going to be Thibel. So 
you know, it's going to be on Matisse to not commit, you know, uh, undisciplined fouls, to stay on his feet, to stay, to stay loose, uh, to not close out recklessly. Those are all things um, that are, are going to be massive on the defensive end of the court. Um, I mean, like the, the Wizards are a, a high-powered offensive team, but they have nothing to stop the Sixers from and Joel Embiid or, you know, in the way of Ben Simmons. Um, and, you know, it, it's going to be about do the Sixers beat themselves in the foot um, and do they, you know, do, do they defend the, 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 the other side of the court well? And I think Thibel was as big of a, a factor in that and stopping their two best players as anyone is. But I, I really think that it doesn't really matter um, how you how you cut it. You're not going to stop Beal and Westbrook, or two of the very best guards in the game. Um, it's going to be about how you stop everybody else. And that's really the key. I think for me, it's going to be Seth Curry. And, and, and it's because if, if you can get Seth rolling – and have him into a groove with his three-point shot and have him, uh, you know, pull the trigger every time he's open or at least the majority of the time that dude is open. Because as we've noticed this year, Austin, there will be times Seth will pass up open looks. So if you can get Seth in, into, type of a, in, into a little bit type of a groove, get him into a rhythm, that is going to open up so many things for the Sixers offensively just because the Wizards are already going to have to pay attention to him anyway because he, shoot, he shoots 45% from deep. You know, in, in his first year with Philadelphia. So what's his volume? Uh, I think he's shoot. I think he's shooting like five threes a night. There's no way he's shooting five threes per night. It's somewhere between four and five. I do know I, that. I will bet you my mortgage that I do not have. That bet you your mortgage. <laughs> the mortgage that I do not have. He shot. I think, I he think shot I, here you go. He got. He shot four point nine threes a night. There's no way. Per basketball reference, he shot four point nine threes a night. Well, he made he made 45% of them. I guess I ain't my mortgage then. <laughs> yeah, you owe me a mortgage, man. I mean, it's, it's already right here on the podcast. You owe me your mortgage, man. <laughs> Wait until you learn I'm another house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> either way, either way, you know, I, that, that's what I'm saying. I feel like if Seth can, you know, shoot somewhere between around five threes, maybe six threes a night, I think I feel like Philadelphia will be in a, in a good place in this series. Um, but at the end of the day, man, and, and we and we kind of we've already touched on it a couple of times. It's not like the Wizards are like a real challenge for Philadelphia. You know, it's, it's the only thing that you really have to worry about really are Russ and and Ben. Uh, to me, I always I always mix them up. Russ and Bradley Beal. Those were the only guys you really have to kind of worry about truly. And then obviously Davis Bertans is a guy who will go off at like random moments. He's killed the Sixers before. And then there's also Rui Hashimura, who I like. I think he's an athletic forward who um, he's going to have a rude awakening to what the playoffs are like, especially now that Wells Fargo Center is going to have 10,000 fans in it for game one and game two and a possible game five. He's going to have in for a rude awakening for what the playoffs are like. Um, so it's going it's to be it's, I feel like it's going to be an interesting series. It's going to be fun series. Uh, but the fans at Capital One Arena on Thursday night for chanting, we want Philly. Uh, I mean, listen, you got them. So you're not you're going to deal with them now. Justin Kutcher, they're coming for you. Oh, you, I forgot you done, about Justin you Kutcher. Done, Justin Kutcher, you done messed up. You, you, you have opened up a can of worms that the only way you can close it is by sending Ben Simmons a, uh, an edible arrangement for prior to tip-off for game one and to say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the only way he's gonna be able to fix it. I, like the, I forgot ben, about the Justin Kutcher thing. And I think Ben is like this is the type that's the neck is like Ben could average like 18, 7, and and like eight in the series and and really like put a hurting on, on Washington. And then it's all gonna be Justin Kutcher's fault. Yep. I mean, listen, I feel like Ben can have a big series. And but again, though, I mean, we kind of, we, we, we've seen that from Ben in the past. So like his round ones have been really good. He had a really good round one against Miami in 2018. He had a re- good round one against Brooklyn in 2019. And then round two came around and you're playing against a team that is, you know, much more sounder, much more tighter defensively, much better in talent. So I'm very interested to kind of see what happens in past this series. Uh, like I'm excited for this series because I feel like it's going to be a good warm up for them. Like, as you mentioned, Austin, the wizards are no pushover because of Westbrook and Beal and everything else. But I feel like it's going to be a nice warm up for them and, and to see how Ben responds when things get tougher a little bit in round two. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I think people have, have been not brainwashed, but blinded by like, okay, a one seed means that you're basically safe. That isn't the case. You have to still come out. And, you have to still to come out and uh, and uh, perform. Ask the Mavericks how uh, how safe they were as the one seed in two thousand whatever seven eight whatever it was seven yeah. So you still have to come out and play. But having said that, I, I mean, I just don't see a way that the Wizards are going to reel off four games in the, in, in in the series. Um, so, and regarding Ben not playing well in the second series versus the first. It's true, but you can't get to the second without winning the first. So. You're absolutely right about that. Listen, I hear you. I hear you. You're absolutely right. I just, I feel like Doc is going to make sure that they understand, like, you know, you got to, this is only step one. You got to get through it here. I, I, one more question for you before we kind of like begin to wrap things up here. In the past, Philly kind of moved Ben off the ball a little bit in the playoffs. We saw in 2018 a bit with, when TJ McConnell would sometimes handle the ball. And then in 2019, we saw it with Jimmy Butler. And obviously Ben didn't get a chance to play in 2020 because of the injury. So in 2021, do you see Ben possibly moving off the ball a little bit? Maybe the ball's in the hands of a guy like George Hill, or maybe they're moving on, or maybe they'll have shake handle the ball a little bit more. Like what do you, what do you, what do you kind of see out of that? Cause there were a couple of times Austin where Hill and Simmons played in lineups together towards the end of the regular season. Yeah. I think I heard that last night. I, I do suspect that when it comes to crunch time and closing games, um, you're going to see Ben move over to that power forward spot, Tobias to the three, Joe obviously at center, um, and then like Danny at the two, George at the one, just to provide like another element of ball handling and versatility there. Um, and like if, if, when the Sixers won two of those or won the first game against the Wizards this past season, it was because Ben was in the dunker spot at the right moments. Um, and they had a couple of plays where they fed Ben the ball. Um, and, you know, they, um, you know, he got an easy dunk at the end. So I, I really think it's important um, to weaponize him in those ways and just add that extra element of, of ball handling. Um, now, if you have to play Ben, um, you know, in that in that off-ball role, you're kind of, you know, forcing him and limiting him to some degree, uh, or Joel, that is, to some degree, to like where he can stand because otherwise you don't have great spacing. So, um We'll see what actions they use, but I do think that you're going to see Seth out of the game for defensive purposes and a more um, experienced ball handler to relieve Ben and sort of let him stay, not stay out of the offense, but um, 
have a, have a different role. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be just really interesting to kind of see because you did mention it. Philadelphia in, on opening night when they that, – because that was their first matchup with the Wizards. I think Joel scored 15 points in the fourth quarter, and they were able to overcome some really sluggish start from the starters, which was to be expected. It was opening night, and the Sixers were able to come out on top because, you know, Ben and Joel were able to space the floor – the correct way with Ben in said dunker spot, as you just mentioned. So I, I look at Philadelphia and I feel like they should win this series easily. I'm going to say my official prediction, Austin, I am going to say Sixers in five. Like I'll give Russ and Beal one game. So I think it's going to go Sixers, 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 Wizards, Sixers. So I think it's going to be Sixers in five. They're going to get that 3-0 series lead. Um, and, you know, and then they'll sit back real pretty in game four. Washington will win one in their place, and then the Sixers will close it out in five and off to round two. I'm going to say Sixers, Sixers, Wizards, Sixers, Sixers. Nah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to say Washington gets game three. But either way, I agree with you. Like, you know, we're, we're good here. <laughs> now, now, Austin, I know you're a huge fan of the Miami Heat. So, like, I got a question for you. Uh, as the Miami Heat head into this round one series with the Milwaukee Bucks, this isn't the bubble anymore. Do you give the Heat a chance? We're not in Kansas anymore. We are, yeah, we are that's what I'm saying. It's not the bubble. Did you see the story? I broke a couple minutes before uh, we 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 uh, we hopped on that Jimmy and Miami internally have had a lot of like struggles this year. Have they? Yeah, no. Shams reported it, and then Bernie Lee, who is Jimmy's agent, was like, "That's some bleep and bleep and bleep and bleepity blop." And oh, uh, also oh, Shams. So Shams like tweeted out or something. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I I will give the Heat a chance, but I ultimately think the Bucks break through this year. I'm gonna say Bucks in six. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Milwaukee in six. I think the Heat will get two. Um, I'll but... tell you this: if the Bucks lose, I don't want to hear nothing about Giannis anymore. Neither do I. I'm gonna Giannis, be completely it's honest. It's over. There's no more Giannis. There's no there, there, there there's no more MVP or the Bucks or this this and the you know and and, and the gospel. The Bucks are frauds if they lose. They're frauds probably regardless of what they lose, but they are frauds if they lose this series. I, I agree with you. Like, if the Bucks lose to the Miami Heat in this series and normal circumstances, you know, where there's travel and everything else, then, yeah, if the Bucks lose this series, I don't, I don't want to hear anything more about Milwaukee. I just don't. Brooklyn and Boston, do you, do you give the Celtics any nope. chance to beat the Nets? Nope. Will it be a sweep? Yes. Wow, you want to say Brooklyn and clean four? I think it's gonna be like when the the Cavs like in 2017-18 yeah. played the Warriors. Like it was, it was a, an ugly 4-0, is what it was. Oof, it was an ugly 4-0. Like you know, there was only one close game in that series, and it was Game One. So yeah, it was. I I do not give the Celtics any sort of chance. The, the everything that every chance they agree. had went out the door with when when Jalen Brown went out. I'd have to agree. I'd have to say uh, Nets and four. Um, Knicks Hawks. This is going to be a fun series, I feel like. like. This is a battle of, like, teams that don't have a lot of star power, but it's still a fun series. Right. Um, I don't know. I think I go seven. Um, I'm going to go New York in seven. I'm going to go Atlanta in seven. I'm going to go New York in seven just because game seven is going to be up at MSG. And I think they're allowing 15,000 fans in MSG now, so, like, there's going to be more Knicks fans in there. So, I feel like they're going to be juiced up. It's New York. I'm going to take the Knicks in seven. So, Knicks go from 20 wins, 19 wins, really, to the second round of the playoffs without making any sort of significant roster changes. That's yeah, a, the only big move they made was Tibbs. That's 
that's enough for coach of the year. I don't know why anybody else would coach of the year, but the whole like, the whole Monty Will thing for me, I'm like, okay, I get it, but can you really be coach of the year if he also has the MVP on it, an MVP candidate or MVP talking about player? Right, and Chris Paul. Yeah. So like, speaking speaking of the West, we'll, we're real quick, just run through it. Suns Lakers, because uh, I'm taking the Lakers. I'm taking the Suns. I'm taking. I'm taking the Lakers in six. If, if LeBron's healthy, give me LA. I don't, I don't give a damn that they're the seventh seed. I already give me LA. A couple weeks ago, so I'm locked in. You did pick the Suns a couple weeks ago when I was on the feed doing beads. So uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna rock with I'm gonna rock with LA. Is is LeBron James and Anthony Davis are both healthy? I'll, I don't think anybody beats them. Um, Nuggets Blazers. Blazers. Blazers in. Wow. I think Blazers in seven. I'm taking Denver in seven. Wow. Honestly, I, I think I think the, the, the Murray loss is too much to overcome. It is. It definitely is. You know, between him and Damian Lillard, I, I hear that. But I'm, I'm taking I'm taking taking the Denver Nuggets, um, Mavericks and Clippers. Clippers in five or six. I'll say I'll say I'll say five. I'm going to take Clippers in six. Uh, I'll, I'll go LA in six. And then finally, the Jazz versus the winner of Warriors Grizzlies. Let's just go out on a limb and say the Warriors win. So Jazz Warriors. I think it's going to be closer. No, people think it's going to be. I think it's going to be like jazz and in, in, in five, maybe, yeah, five jazz and like five or six. But I think it's going to be an average margin of victory of like seven points. Yeah, I think they're all going to be close games. I'm going to take Utah in six. Uh, I'm going to give Steph Curry, you know, two wins like that. I mean, I mean Steph has just been absolutely amazing. He is well, a, an It doesn't even matter. If Memphis wins tonight, the jazz are going to shoot him. But, yeah, if it's Memphis, I'll give you. I'll give Utah in five. If it's the Grizzlies, I'll I'll give the Grizzlies a game, um, because I love John Morant, Jonas Valanciunas, and I refuse to just you know say those guys are going to get swept. I love them too much. Um, but if it's Golden State, I'll say Utah in six because I'll, I'll give Steph Curry two games without a doubt. I think the Suns kind of the rest. So. The Lakers, man, come on, dude, it's LeBron James. No, it's 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 LeBron James. I, I think this is the year, and I th- I, I I I think. That they rested too much, they they rested too much, and uh, it's going to come back to bite them this year. I think. Fair enough, but just I I'm not going to bet against LeBron James. I just won't. Oh, one final note before we end it off here. This is the first time the Sixers and the Wizards are matching up in the playoffs since 1986. Philadelphia ended up winning the series three games to two. So 1986 was the last time these two teams matched up in the postseason. So Austin, tell everybody where they can find you at, my man. You can find me on Grandma. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> you, can, you can you can find me on Twitter at NBA Krill. Uh, also find me at Line. I cover the Sixers on a day to day basis with Guy. Um, so you can, I'm always covering team. Uh, you can find me on YouTube as well, the Painted Line, where we uh, have a podcast called The Feed to Embed. Also on Apple Pods there. So um, yeah, and then make sure you check out SixersWire.com as well for all your Sixers news and updates and infos and my 30 articles a day. Uh, as as we kind of get, we really do have like there are. It's like I can't get through an hour without seeing a Sixers wire tweet pop up on my screen. <laughs> Listen, I grind, dude. I, I I push out as much as I can. I just gotta really? gotta keep the bosses happy. Gotta keep the bosses happy. So for Austin Krell, I'm Kai Carlin. We're out. Enjoy the playoffs, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Bell Ringer. 